0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. In Him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, the light shining in the darkness. That is the joy and hope of Christmas, isn't it? That God sent light into a world filled with darkness a world filled with sin and death, and yet there was hope. A Savior was born. But what happened? As John goes on to record, he came to what was his own, yet his own people did not accept him. That darkness, the sinful mankind, crucified their Savior. They crucified the Lord of glory. Much like a newly planted flower bed in a city park on the bad side of town, after the next day after they've been planted, as those flowers are trampled by gang members who won't allow such beauty to exist in that part of their neighborhood. So too, the darkness sought to overcome the light, to try and snuff out everything that is good and holy. Guess what joy we have at Christmas? What hope. For the Savior, but what sorrow on Good Friday, as we see the Lord of Glory hung on a cross as he's crucified, as it seems as if the darkness has won out. Yet there is hope again on Easter Sunday, as we consider the empty tomb today and what it means. That it really means that there's hope for us, that the light still shines. The light still gives hope in a world filled with darkness and filled with death. In that hope, let us arise and sing our exordium hymn, hymn number 348 He is Arisen, Glorious Word. Grace to you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for this Easter day is recorded for us in the Gospel of Saint Mark, the 16th chapter, beginning at the first verse. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they could go and anoint Jesus. Very early on the first day of the week at sunrise, they went to the tomb. They were saying to each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb for us? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. He said to them, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. They went out and hurried away from the tomb, trembling and perplexed. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. Dear fellow redeemed, are you afraid of the dark? There might be some little children here today that would say, Yes, yes, Pastor, I'm afraid of the dark. There might be some older ones, maybe even some grown ups here that don't want to admit it, but truly also might say, I'm afraid of the dark too. The dark is pretty scary, especially if you're lying in bed at night. Your imagination can go wild as you see shadows. And as the child wonders, is that a monster under my bed? Is someone hiding in the closet? What's that shadow on the chair in my room? And all of a sudden, they cry out, mommy, daddy, I'm scared. And mommy and daddy rush in, and they turn on the lights, and they say, what's wrong, son? Said, I'm scared. I'm scared of the dark. There's a monster. No, no, go back to bed. There, there's nothing. Don't worry about it. Can you check? Can you check under the bed? Can you check in the closet? And that's exactly what the parent does is he lifts up the blanket and looks underneath. And even the child himself sees, no, there is no monster. He opens the doors to the closet. Dad says, it's just clothes in here, son. Go back to bed. And he points at the chair. That shadowy figure, that's just your teddy bear sitting on the chair. It's nothing to be afraid of. Get some sleep. Go back to bed. How true that is for a child who is afraid of the dark. How seeing all of the evidence as the parent rushes in can calm those fears, can silence them all. Because he knows that what he fears isn't the truth, it isn't the reality. And so he's able to rest, go back to sleep. Well, this morning, as we consider our gospel lesson before us, we take up the theme, He lives to silence all our fears. As we consider how Jesus lives to silence the women's fears and our fears as well. What were the women so afraid of as they ran to the tomb that first Easter Sunday? We hear that the women were talking to one another and asking this big question who's going to roll the stone away? Certainly that was on their minds. Maybe something else as well. What if the soldiers are still there? What are they going to do? Are they going to let us in, or are they going to arrest us? Perhaps those were fears that they had. We don't know for sure, but we do know that they did have these very real fears. Fears on account of what they saw. They saw that the stone had been rolled away, the tomb had been disturbed, and also fear concerning the angel who was inside. Think about that first fear that they had as the tomb's disturbed. It's kind of striking. They were wondering who's going to roll the stone away. They were worried they maybe wouldn't get in to be able to anoint Jesus' body. And then when they see that it is actually open, that causes even more fear and panic because they're wondering who has done this? Has somebody taken the body? In fact, we hear in John's gospel that Mary Magdalene at this point turns around and runs to the disciples. And she presents that that very thing, that very fear before them. She thinks that somebody's taken the body and they don't know where he's been laid. So worried, so afraid because of what they saw. Then the rest of the women, as they look inside, they see that angel, as Mark describes it in our text for today, that man dressed in white. That's cause for fear as well. Just as many other times in the Bible when people see angels, they're afraid and terrified of this holy messenger, this holy being. But God sent that messenger for them to show them the truth. The angel tells those women that morning, Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. You know, if it wasn't enough for the women to see that the stone was rolled away, if it wasn't enough for them to see that Jesus' body wasn't there, God even sent a messenger from heaven, an angel, to tell them what took place. And this angel comes to to tell them and to explain the evidence for them. It's much like that loving parent in the middle of the night when the child cries out, I'm scared, and the parent rushes in and turns on the light and asks what's wrong. The child expresses their fears, but the parent shows them the evidence. There's nothing under the bed. It's just clothes in the closet. It's your stuffed animal on the chair. There's nothing to be afraid of. He explains the evidence to them. That's the way it is with the angel, isn't it? They thought the tomb's empty, and the only explanation is that somebody must have stolen the body. And how grieved they were in that. They had just watched Jesus die on a cross before their very own eyes. If that wasn't bad enough, now this only comfort of going to anoint his body, even that too would be robbed from them. But no. The angel explains. The reason the tomb's empty is because he's alive. It's because he has risen. The angel gives them more proof, not just the empty tomb, not just the angel's presence, but even the very word of Christ himself. The angel says, you will see him just as he told you. Just as he told you. Striking to think about those words. During the last year of Jesus' ministry, there had been multiple occasions where he told his disciples how things would end for him. He explained to them how he was going to be betrayed and handed over to the chief priests and the elders of the people, how he is going to be mocked and ridiculed and flogged, how he is going to be crucified and die. And as a result of that, all of the disciples were so worried and afraid, they focused on all those terrible things But they weren't listening when he told them the very next thing. Every time he he tells them about his suffering and death, he goes on to say, but on the third day, I will rise again to life from the dead. They were only focused on on the tragedy, on his death, on his suffering. They weren't paying attention when Jesus said, the tomb's going to be empty on the third day. That's exactly what the angels remind the women. It's empty, just as Jesus had said. He told you it was going to be this way. And so it is. The angel also says something else to those women that day. But go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Have you ever wondered about that statement of the angel? We know very well what happens that evening Jesus appears before all of his disciples except Thomas as they're behind locked doors, terrified for fear of the Jews and what's going to happen to them. So why doesn't the angel tell the women, pass along to the disciples, wait in Jerusalem behind locked doors? Is it perhaps because God didn't want his people living in fear? He didn't want them terrified, hiding behind locked doors, But he wanted them living in faith, even though they had not yet seen Jesus with their own eyes, living in faith, trusting his word, trusting the evidence that they had seen, trusting that they would see him again in Galilee. See, Jesus silences all their fears by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus silences all of our fears as well. You know, we have many more fears than merely being afraid of the dark or perhaps having a body of a loved one misplaced after they have died. Our fears are greater, aren't they? Greater than even those things. We can be so afraid of how our earthly uh, life is going to be cared for. How will we have the things that we need to survive? So much tragedy and hardship that people face. Lord, who's going to take care of us? Who's going to provide for us? What about that great fear of death? Death something that we know everyone faces. Or what about the fear of hell? What about the judgment for our sins? Well, Jesus lives to silence these fears as well. Concerning that first fear, how we'll be provided for in this life, we think about the evidence Jesus Himself provides. To get you back to what the angel revealed to the women, They reminded the women that Jesus had risen just as he said. And that's incredible, right? What person has ever done that? What person has ever prophesied, I'm going to die, and that at a, another later date I'm going to rise again to life from the dead, and has actually accomplished it? Has actually done it. Yes, many people have have claimed such things, many people have feigned their own death, have lied and been deceitful in that, but none has actually truly died the way Jesus did, and then rose to life again just as he predicted he would. And we know very well, even from the angel's words, that's exactly what happened. As the angel says, He was crucified. As we know from the scripture itself, it talks about how the soldiers came up to kill the men that were on the crosses still, to hasten their death, to break their legs. But when they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead. And these trained executioners would have known. And if that wasn't enough, they pierced his side with a spear. It's not just blood that flows out, but even water proving that he had actually died. But then on Easter Sunday... The tomb is empty because he had risen from the dead. Who has that sort of power to do that? Well, only God himself. It it must mean that Jesus' word is true. When he says that he is the Son of God, he speaks the truth. And so what that means is that Jesus has all power as God, and Jesus' word is true. So much so when Jesus tells us, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the unbelievers chase after all these things. Certainly your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, we are reminded that the one who promises to take care of us, our basic necessities of food and clothing, is the same one who conquered the grave the same one who showed his power as God, the same one who kept his word. But what about that great fear of death? What about all of our loved ones who have died? What about our own fear for our own deaths as well? Every year as we grow older and older, as we know that our bodies are growing weaker and more frail and more susceptible to illness, as we're reminded with every wrinkle and with every gray hair that the grave awaits us as well. What about our fear for death? How can Jesus' life come to silence that too? Well, it does because it shows that he has taken on that horrible enemy. That hor- horrible enemy that no one else can defeat. And he himself has triumphed over him. He has triumphed over death. Death could not hold him in its grave. But on Easter Sunday, he bursts forth, so much so that we can be reassured of his word when he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. We can trust his word when he says, because I live, you also shall live. Yes, Jesus lives to silence even our fear of death. And what about hell? Hell. Jesus says in John 5, A time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and will come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, but those who have practiced evil will rise to be condemned. See, Jesus foretells the resurrection of the dead. He says all will rise from their grave on the last day. But he also says those who have done good will rise to life. Those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. We know our sin, we know our evil, we know what we have done, and we can be afraid of the judgment that each and every one of our sins deserves. But Christ comes to silence those too. Do you remember that story from the Bible, when Jesus was in that house that's jammed full of people and he's preaching there, and all of a sudden everyone looks up and they see a hole being made in the roof as tiles are being removed. and. A man is lowered in front of Jesus, a man who's crippled. And it's obvious what his friends want Jesus to do. They want Jesus to heal the man. But what are the very first words out of Jesus' mouth? Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. We hear from God's word that the room was filled with plenty of skeptics that said he can't forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. But then what did Jesus do? Jesus said, so that you can be reassured that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, I say to you, take up your mat and walk. And the man did exactly that, showing that Jesus not only had the power to heal the crippled, but he more importantly had the power to forgive sins. That's also what Jesus' resurrection, what the empty tomb proves to us, that Jesus has the power to even forgive your sins that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As he said in John chapter 3, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The one who believes in him is not condemned. And just as the angels instructed the women, tell the disciples you'll see him again in Galilee, instructed them not to live in fear God also invites us not to live in fear as well. To know that Jesus' resurrection, because he lives, he silences all of our fears. In the 2013 film After Earth, Cipher Rage, a character played by Will Smith, makes an interesting statement to his son in that movie. He says this, Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. It's kind of an interesting way to think about fear, that fear isn't real. Fear is imagining what might happen in the future, but maybe what might not as well. However, that character in that movie went on to say, danger is very real. Don't mistake me. But what if the danger isn't real either? What if the danger is taken away? Then there's really no reason for us to fear at all, is there? The danger was taken away by Christ on Easter Sunday. Everything that we're afraid of, he comes to show us that we need not be afraid because he has conquered it all. The tomb is empty on Easter Sunday to show that Jesus has risen from the dead to silence our fears as we ourselves might be so afraid of how our needs will be provided in this life, so afraid of death and what it means for our loved ones or for ourselves, so afraid of hell and God's judgment. Jesus comes to silence it all to show us that he is God, that he is in control, that his word is true, that he forgives our sins as he lives to silence all our fears. Even after mom and dad come in to show their little one that there's nothing to be afraid of, it doesn't mean that the child will never cry out again, I'm scared. Likely they will. We think about just as the women in our text for today, even after they saw all of these things are true, they were still scared, weren't they? But we know this, that like a loving parent, Jesus reminds us again and again and again, I have taken away all of the danger. I have come to silence your fears. And he reminds us of that. And he invites us to come to him when we are afraid, to come to him, to see the evidence for ourselves. The tomb is empty, to trust his word, to trust he forgives our sins, to trust that he gives us eternal life. He lives to silence all my fears. He lives to wipe away my tears. He lives to calm my troubled heart. He lives all blessings to impart. He lives and grants me daily breath. He lives and I shall conquer death. He lives my mansions to prepare. He lives to bring me safely there. Amen.